Part 4, Journey in Christ, with the Thurstons and the Comrades, as they continue to share their testimonies and share their walk in marriage with Christ. second major issue, um, even though it might not be obvious, is we suffered two miscarriages um, in our marriage. So when we did actually decide to try, actively try to expand our family, um, I had a miscarriage at eight weeks. Um, we were still in Canada in 2018. And, you know, like we were married, we were not newly, newly wed, but, you know, it was something new for us. It was a new journey, we were excited. And not a lot of people talk about miscarriages. Um, I know especially in the Bahamas, but um, within my experience, I realized that they don't talk about it everywhere. I think people look at it as taboo or just something that you should be quiet about, just grin and bear it, I guess. Um, so that happened at eight weeks. Um, the doctors, it was very traumatizing for me because the doctors just acted like, oh, it's okay, it happens. Like even the nurses, like, oh, okay, yeah, I had a miscarriage, my first um, pregnancy too. You you will have children again, um, or whatever. So um, they weren't, you know, there to comfort you, and I didn't have anywhere to go for support. You know, both of us were grieving, and Ian usually doesn't grieve. Well, most men don't grieve outward you know so it was a struggle for us we both decided to do counseling but i was the only one who actually went to counseling um i don't know why he didn't but i went and it was very good for me and now i'm actively in counseling because i talk about my miscarriages openly um that was a decision that i made because i wanted to be someone who would you know have an outlet for people to come to and say, okay, I had a miscarriage as well. What happened when you had your miscarriage? How did you deal with it? And this is what I'm going through, blah, blah, blah. Because I didn't have someone I could actually go to. I had to go to a professional. So I want people to be able to, you know, come to me and discuss that or whatever. So we had another miscarriage within six weeks. I mean, six months. Um, that one ended at six weeks. The doctors said they didn't know why again, so I was sent to a fertility specialist. All of my um, results came back normal. There was nothing wrong with me. And um, the spiritual aspect of it, before every one of my miscarriages, I would have had a spiritual dream indicating that, you know, something detrimental would happen. Um, in one of my dreams, the first miscarriage I had, like this voodoo, I don't even know what it was, like this African priest looking guy, he actually gripped my stomach and ripped it, he pulled it. So I got up from my dream and I could actually feel my stomach hurt and I could feel the, the pain from my dream and when I got up. so I, But fast forward into 2020, um, January we got pregnant, um, we didn't know. We were supposed to actively start trying in February of 2020. Um, but God said, you know what, um, when it's my time, it's my time, it's not up to you to plan. So we actually got pregnant and he's stuck. So here he is, very active. Um, and what happened was I ended up 
doing progesterone pills and um, baby aspirin. Our belief in God, honestly, because yeah. our belief in God, and then one other part too is that we almost like the total opposite. So we we basically completely jump. She, if we get the order wrong inside McDonald's, she's the one who who goes to the counter, and I have the counter down like. No, you don't calm it down. You walk away in embarrassment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like that keeps us going too because. But you also make me do your dirty work. Yeah. Like okay, go go and return this or yeah, return go complain that. about I don't this. Do that yeah. So, so that that keeps us going too. <laughs> that keeps us strong. Like we help the we help each other in our weakest points. And then another part is that we we almost like well she's my best friend like when we were in Canada we didn't have anybody else but each other so I think that that even make us a lot more stronger because being somewhere in a foreign country no friends no family you can't run to your, your mommy house and be like yeah I'm gonna sleep over there tonight yeah you're gonna start to sleep in the same bed angry so. You can't get away, like in a one bedroom apartment like that. You can't even go in the next room. No. Front room. When we first meet, when we first went there, the front room was completely empty. So you can't even say you're sleep in the front room. You're gonna sleep on the floor. <laughs> so that helped us out a lot. That and then like we what our first day was probably the church. Yes, we actually. So we met in the club, kind of the club restaurant yeah. slash club. And the first place he invited me was church, so yeah, I felt like, hmm, that was so, a good move. <laughs> like that's that's a, that keep us strong. Yeah, yeah. We, we both on the same page. Yeah. Like we understand what each other goal is and like. Yeah, and that's one thing we did as well. I would advise anyone when they're dating the first, if not the first date, the first couple of dates, just to ask the person, you know, what they feel about marriage, what they feel about having children. Because especially when we had the miscarriage, we knew that we would keep trying. We knew that, you know, what our end goal would be, which was no divorce, yeah. um, kids, and Christ. So. Yeah. And hard work. Yeah. It always says to me, even then, <laughs> there's no out. <laughs> so. My, my vows were different. So, <laughs> so we reached the after. <laughs> So I guess we got to go get some plots with both of us in it. So, um, but that's not our question right now. We will live to see what God has brought us in. But yeah, I think it's just true friendship. Like the amount of things we've been through just over the phone would blow people's minds, mm -hmm. right? So um, always being there for each other. Like just, I think that's, that's it for me. Really. Yeah. Um. I think, yeah, I think I agree. It's, it's our friendship, but it's really grounded in that friendship is understanding why we're doing what we're doing, that this is not really about us. Um, I think a year before we got married, uh, we both prayed every day and fasted for over a year that God would use our marriage for a platform for what he intended marriage to be, not for what we wanted to do and we always said to him God you know this is your marriage this is not about a wedding for us and God really I think put us to the test with that um when our marriage got our wedding got canceled like 
blank, like just everything got crumbled because of COVID-19. And we ended up having a wedding with four guests, including the pastor and 25 Zoom family members. And it was the perfect day. Like we went to the drive-through, had McDonald's in a wedding dress. And um had some Nando's chicken. Had some Nando's for our, I guess, honeymoon dinner. I don't know. It was it was the perfect day and, and it wasn't because we, I think for us, we were happy that the spectacle and the show of it was gone. And it was just a day that we really got to tell God, thank you for preserving our lives. And I tell him all the time, I thank God for keeping me for him. Um, and that's not because we did things perfectly. We definitely made a lot of um, mistakes and choices. I think when looking back, we would have done things differently had we known what we knew now. Um, and part of that was figuring out how do we break um, soul ties um, because we were both intimate with other people before our marriage and um, that created a lot of stress in our personal lives but also in our relationship and Reverend Emmanuel you know really helped us to see what a soul tie was um, and how that affects everything in your marriage and so we had to fast and pray for the whole six months of that um, marriage counseling to break those soul ties and really know that God is really a redeemer of time and season and he redeemed us and that he restored us to a place of perfection um, to walk into our marriage whole and not broken. And so, um, yeah, we didn't do things the right way, um, but we thank God for redeeming us. Yeah. Okay, sweetheart, last question. Um, share something that you find super amazing about your spouse. Oh man, I got a list. <laughs> Such um, a run out. <laughs> I'm gonna start with an easy one. She's literally the hardest working person I've ever seen. I'm gonna use my hands, ever seen. <laughs> um, you know, she's she works three jobs, full time PhD student. Um, like one day she what did like 18 hours. Mm-hmm. three different jobs to come home and cook me dinner then to go take a nap just to go try to go back out to work this lady works extremely hard and i love her to death for it and just because she works that hard i try to put my best effort to work somewhat close as hard as she works which can never i can never do so that's the one thing i love yeah, I think one thing I love about my husband is that I can be having the worst day and the sound of his voice comforts me. Um, he always finds a way to make me smile and laugh about something. Um, but he's he's also like, so when I met him, I, I told you guys, I said to him, he reminds me of my father, uh, very protective, loving, um, very endearing towards me. And not so much towards other people, but towards me. Um, I shouldn't say that. He's his shell is hard to break towards other people, and so um, I thank God that he's let me in. But um, I think it was two years after we started dating. I said to him, um, "You, your love for me reminds me of God's love for me, in that He pursues me relentlessly." Um, I can run away. I can be angry. I, it doesn't matter. Like his love for me is so relentless. 
that he never gives up on me and he always gives me he always gives me the breaks I need to grow and to be a better wife for him um, to be the perfect mom in the eyes of God and um, also just reminds me that uh, I don't need to be perfect and that um, I'm perfect for him is what he always says you know our relationship isn't perfect but we're perfect for each other and so we just continue to thank God for each other and give him all the praise because we recognize had it not been for grace <laughs> we wouldn't be here and so we stay humble and grateful for each other thank you for watching journey in christ marriage series stay tuned next week for journey in christ within the last three years the holy spirit has been guiding me to prepare for marriage i have been connected with my pastor mentors and a few other amazing couples. As they've blessed me with their testimonies and stories, I wanted to share them with you. Join me on this journey in Christ. Yes, I am. And, um, yeah, gave my life initially to Christ as a kid, but uh, recommitted my life when I was with an adult was back in two, 2005 when I recommitted my life. Christ. And I'm Doreen Russell, and I too am a Christian. I was raised in the church, but I began my building my relationship with God back in 2010, and I fully recommitted my life to Christ in February of 2018. I am delighted to be here with my husband, and yes, we are Christians. We believe in God, and we have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. I gave my life to Christ when I was young, very young, because we were a church-going family, so we grew up basically every day in church, mm. Sunday to Sunday. So I was in this, and I was in Christian for a long time. For me, um, fifth grade in primary school, obviously, there was um, a boy who was missing. for sure at that time um, I like I said I even though uh, I had given my life early on I was back in the world so we say we were backslidden uh, by the time we had met um, but uh, we committed sometime after that into our relationship we were both uh, uh, born again Christians and uh, we went into our marriage we, our relationship we were Christians going to church and doing our part and uh, serving and so yes, we were Christians. <laughs> you were always backsliding. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, if you're saying that you're the person who could do it constantly, there's something wrong with you. And so that answers that. How mm -hmm. long have you been married? Better get this right. We've been married for how long? 
because the marriage was 16 years. Um, yeah, so it's been, it's been, it doesn't feel like 16 years, but it has been, it has been that long. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Been together for 18. Together for 18. How long have you been married? Um, I have been married. My daughter is 17 years old, and I've been married for a period of 19 years. 19 years, yes, ma'am. Five years. <laughs> Senior Crow. We met, uh, the first time I saw Olivia was uh, at court. Um, I, I am a police officer, she's an attorney, she was working for the defense, and uh, I was locking up for her story. It was at a resort in the Bahamas in July of 2002. Well, the day after our wedding was three years. Yeah. Those days. And so she used to come to court, and uh, the first time I saw her, I uh, was in court. We didn't really meet there. Um, she was she was a junior lawyer, and uh, I talked to her senior lawyer, who she worked for, and uh, to ask him ask him to give her my number, tell her call me because I know she wanted to call talk to me. Really. And um, <laughs> so he didn't do that, and I never really got to talk to her like that. I just saw her a lot and uh, from court and then um, we went to Barley. <laughs> we went to Barley and uh, I talked to her at Barley and I, and I uh, gave her my number and asked her to call me. And um, yeah, that's where we met in court at work and then I talked to her later at Barley and then she called me a couple of days later and we went out for lunch. We did for just about two years. He was living in the United States at the time and I was here in Canada. So we were jet setting every two or three months. We would fly in an airplane back and forth, a lot of phone calls. There was no FaceTime back then. It was computers, AOL, all that fun stuff. So that is, that's kind of what that looked like and yeah, two years. The beach. Let, let her tell that story. No, you can tell it. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who don't know what Singer Frogs is, it's a restaurant, a Spanish um, restaurant. It's predominantly in the Caribbean and um, it's a bar actually. So restaurant and, and bar by day and then it turns into a full-on bar club dancing at night. So I was there with one of my friends for her birthday party um, dinner. We ate and then nine o'clock the restaurant turned into a bar and his cousin actually came over and he liked one of the girls in the group. And so I asked him where are the rest of the guys? So he said, oh, my cousin's over there. Um, so he described what Ian was wearing. He had on a, a pink shirt and a black inner shirt. So <laughs> I asked him how old he was and he told me and I said, mm, he's too young. But anyway, after a while I got bored and I went looking for Ian on the dance floor. 
So I wanted to make sure. I went over to Ian and I was like, okay, yeah, I want to paint shirt. And I just pulled his shirt down, just like how he's wearing this maroon shirt under. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, it's a black shirt. So, so Ian was like, what happened? I was like, anyway, just check. And then I walk away. I started to walk away and then he gripped me. Well, he pulled me back. And then we started dancing or whatever. And the rest is history. I can't go into the rest of the details. But we had an eventful <laughs> night. <laughs> It was actually just like that, a decision. There wasn't no proposal or anything. It was just, we thought about it and it was like, she, she asked me to say, what, what are we gonna do? Like, so let me tell the story. The what is the food? Let me tell the story, friends. <laughs> <laughs> so Ian came to me one day. He's like, do you wanna get a government home? I was like, what? A government home? You wanna apply to get a government home? I say, as what? A legal investment at that with my boyfriend so he's like well maybe we don't have to get it as boyfriend and girlfriend so I was like what are we getting it as so he's like husband and wife so I said is this a proposal he said mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was like really come back to me with a ring okay and then we can talk so he's like well how much for ring I was like don't worry I'll, I'll, I'll pick out some pick out some and then I'll send them to you and so the rest is history. So I just basically gave him a budget that night of how much the wedding would cost and everything, and how much we'd have to save every week towards the wedding. It almost didn't happen because <laughs> he was like, oh, that's too much, we have to save a week. And I was like, well, anyway, I'm not fixing time, so if you're not interested, I need to move on. He's like, okay, well, yeah, I'll do it. And then the rest is history. <laughs> I'll take this one. Um, yeah, well, like like Dorian said, we were living, so we were doing long distance, uh, long distance relationship. Because um, I was living in Pennsylvania at the time, and she was living here in Alberta, uh, Canada. And um, it got to the point where we knew that we wanted to be together, and uh, the challenge there was she was here and I was there, and it was okay. I think we are we're ready to, to make that make that next step uh, and so unfortunately for us I was a permanent resident and so it was more difficult for Doreen to come to the US anyways but also she wanted to be closer to family and so we made that decision that um, one we, we knew we were um, serious enough and we wanted to, mm -hmm. to be together uh, and so so I made the literal drive from Florida at the time because I transitioned from Pennsylvania to Florida, packed up my S10 and drove all the way from Florida to Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, and then the other part of that, did you fall in love? Um, I think we were in something when we got married. Uh, and I say that only because we have a better understanding of what love is now. Um, and I think we definitely, at that point, we cared for each other. And we used to call it love uh, at that point, but having a, a better understanding of what it means to be in love and, uh, and what that looks like in God's eyes, um, I, I would say we we were we were in like at that point mm -hmm. or in like and in lust, um, mm -hmm. 
but but not truly what it means to be in love. I guess what the world calls the love, for sure. Love, yeah, whatever the world calls love, that's exactly what it is at that time. And it wasn't forced. Uh, we, we definitely both wanted to be together, and so so we made the we made the adult decision to to do the things necessary to get to get married. Um. I think it was a mutual thing. We came up with it together. Um, we were dating and we had got to that point where we decided to be committed to each other. And we just um, agreed that we should get married. It's in love. Yeah, you had to have been I in love. I was seeing her every day, every um, day. You had to have been in love in order to get to that point where yeah. you would want to be committed to each other. Yeah, we was in love. I had over, totally in head over heels. Um, relationship was in force. I mean, um, my relationship, we grew into that. Uh, nobody, I believe that's God ordained for us to be together, connected. Um, I then searched the whole world over. And so, yeah, she came through as uh, number one. And that will always get to Welcome to part three of the marriage series, Journey in Christ. It has been an amazing three years since the Holy Spirit has encouraged me to prepare for marriage. I connected with some friends, family, mentors, and my pastors. But today, we are talking with the Comrades. Hi, I'm Kinshara Comrie, and this is my husband. Um, we both entered into our marriage uh, baptized Christians. Um, nine months. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're just about going on nine months of marriage. We were married April 5th at 2020. We met on the side of the road. She was taking a walk with the dog. And asked if people were welcome. Yeah. And um, I guess the rest is history. And uh, <clears throat> I think one of the first things I said to him on that first encounter of like meeting with him, it was very casual. Like it was as though we knew each other for years. And I remember one of the very first things I said to him was um, that he reminded me of my father. And um, anybody knows me, I'm a, a daddy's girl. And so that was, I guess, a real favor for him that he reminded me of my dad for uh, about three and a half years before we actually got married. Uh, we met in 2016, early 2016, or fall, early fall 2016. And um, what did that look like? I guess maybe I'll add a piece and let you add a piece. Um, dating for me and him was not easy. It wasn't this smooth road. Shortly after he and I had met and started dating he uh, moved back to Ontario into Toronto that was probably what it was seven weeks after we met each other and that started a three and a half year long distance relationship I think having a long distance relationship taught us a lot about communicating our feelings because we couldn't figure it out all the time over you know a face call we very rarely video called actually 
Um, so we talked a lot, like a lot. Thank God we had unlimited minutes. <laughs> um, at one point I had, um, well, I shouldn't say one point. I broke up with him many times. <laughs> at one point we were broken up for like four months. Yeah, we'd lost contact and, uh, um, and it, it was for reasons of me being fearful, me not wanting to fail at a potential marriage. Um, when we had met, Anthony had, um, was not a Christian at the time. And so that was a struggle for me personally. I'm trying to figure out how do I move forward with someone who, um, not that he needed to be where I was, even though in retrospect, I think that's how I acted. Um, but definitely, um, I knew that I couldn't marry someone who I was unequally yoked. Yep. The dating was very challenging because we never really got to date. There's only mm -hmm. a few times we actually got to spend time with each other. So it was very challenging in that way. But I think it grew us in a different way where we're able to communicate about anything. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that we can't talk about. Anything. Yeah. There's nothing in that we can't talk about. And that that's the beauty of our relationship is that we're really friends first. Um, and we're vulnerable with each other and, and like our trust with each other is like impeccable. Um, so he I gave him my most vulnerable parts of me. You know, for a visit it was I think May long weekend. Uh, May sixteenth through the eighteenth. Don't ask me why I know that age. But anyway, um, so he, I had no idea that he was planning to propose to me. Of course, we'd always talk about marriage and a plan and all these things. Um, but yeah, he decided he was going to propose to me and he was so anxious. The plan that he had for his proposal went out the window. Um, but it was still a perfect moment of him just being vulnerable and excited to know that he can uh, spend the rest of his life with me, but as he puts it, lock me down. <laughs> but I don't feel locked down in any way. The journey of falling in love with each other uh, was almost instant, but it really took time for us to figure out what, yeah, because we had had these illusions of that we were in love with other people before and really not recognizing the difference between what we were in and what we had been in. And so um, I had, when we met, we were both really ending long-term long relationships with other people and persons that we had thought we were, we were in love with. And then we recognized along the way that there was so much hurt and trauma being put on both of us um, in those relationships that we really struggled to figure out what love was. And um, for us, that was, I think, the most difficult part because to be in love meant that we had to love in spite of. And I think he was definitely way more in love with me than I was with Still <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> uh, that I was at the beginning because um, I had this ideal image and a list of what a man needs to be for me and what that would look like for me to fall in love. And this guy came and he broke down every barrier, ripped up every list I had. And um, I'm grateful to God that he did, but it took a long time for me to, to give in to what God was doing and recognizing God's hand in our relationship because um, 
that's what it's proven to be really the hand of god because there's been favor in that um okay. so no it wasn't forced <laughs> another thing is uh i was never forced to turn christian or be mm-hmm. christian um by her it was more so i went down to ontario and um i went to church one day for my dad because he was a he was being a dj that day um and i never stopped doing it and i became a christian that day actually we both decided to fast one day just Mm -hmm. off the first day of me going to church and yeah Walls came crumbling down, guys. Like, um, we had both at the time struggled to figure out what was fasting and why it was important. And we really had no idea. And so we thought, hey, let's fast together. When I said God tore down our lives, like everything that we thought was were, were comfortable in, he ripped those walls down. And in the moment we were like, what is happening? We're never fasting again. And then we recognized that the fasting was the breaking point. It was the thing that God used to strip um, the things that were holding us back from each other, but also our, but more importantly, our relationship with God. And um, I think that really was a turning point in our relationship um, because we really got uh, healed, broken and healed from our past relationships, um, but also from ourselves. So yeah, no, it wasn't for us, um, not by family or pastor, but I think definitely by God. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Um, well, I shouldn't say an absolute no for me. I there were there are marriages in my family, particularly on my father's side, that really model um, good marriages. And so those were marriages I had in the back of my mind, but to the forefront, like my parents' marriages. Um, I can't count my grandmother's marriage. She lost her husband at very early in their marriage uh, through uh, death. But I really valued knowing that it's possible. And so, no, we didn't have really good examples. Um, but we had made up in our mind that we were breaking the cycle of our marriage. I think, um, I think also is having a good example of a marriage doesn't is always the best thing. Mm-hmm. Having a bad example in a marriage is probably the best way to look at things because mm-hmm. I grew up learning a lot of bad traits from my father. I don't want to bash on him, but a lot of bad traits. Mm-hmm. And I had to unlearn those things mm-hmm. and learn the proper way to put things. Right. Yeah. And we had to really figure out okay, how do we use those, what we want to call bad marriages? But I just, I, I prefer to term them as marriages that really weren't ordained to be. Um, how do we learn from those nuggets and figure out what not to do? Because they taught us what not to do, really, right? Um, and so, uh, one like nuggets in our marriages, we don't shout at each other. Um, we don't argue when we're angry. We take moments and um, walk away and, and come back and have a cool, collective conversation with each other. Um, and so, just little things of saying to him, I appreciate you. Although it might seem like, okay, he did the laundry because I had just gotten off from a ship. Like yesterday, he spent the entire day doing laundry. Um, but I was exhausted from a night shift at work. And so for me, it felt like he had given me a million dollars and I 
you can't let those moments go without saying, you know what, babe, I really appreciate what you did today and I just want to say thank you and I love you. So, and that was not something I saw a lot of in my home um, between my parents and so very intentional. Thank you for watching Journey in Christ, the marriage series. Stay tuned next week, for part four. Come to part five of Journey in Christ, the marriage series. We have the Nixons and the Russells that are ending this amazing series, giving you testimony and as an example of what marriage looks like in Christ. Uh, this is a wonderful thing that you, you are doing. Uh, you are being an evangelist and sharing the word of God and getting it out. I always say that we as Christians are not as loud as the world. And so we need to amplify, and this is a way to amplify uh, the message of Jesus Christ and to uh, share, share the word. And God bless you. I pray that this uh, will continue to grow and uh, really, really be massive for, for Jesus Christ. overcoming um, there's a verse that says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our mm -hmm. testimonies and and it was when we started opening up uh, we were already a part of the ministry that we're mm -hmm. in uh, currently and, and and there is it also says by the word of your testimony mm -hmm. and so we started to share you know what we were what we're dealing with and and openly um, openly uh, discussed uh, the things that were there Mm -hmm. and learned how to be able to deal with those things to understand like I said as a um, I guess as a segue into this answer here earlier on where you know we we began to learn what true love looks like and you know mm -hmm. Jesus says love your wife like he loved the church and so being able to walk in, in that light it, it really gave us um, mm -hmm. our relationship with God and our walk with him was, was the way we overcame it uh, and but also sharing it with others and helping others that would mm -hmm. be going through uh, similar challenges uh, is a great way to to heal uh, but also mm -hmm. being um, open and, and, and beginning to help each other to heal showing showing compassion and, and, and mm -hmm. care and encouragement and those things and so those were some of the some of the um, tangible pieces and intangible pieces mm -hmm. that we used to be able to, to, to get to where we are. Because that would have been another major issue was just lack and no communication whatsoever. Mm. So that definitely by opening up and sharing the most vulnerable thoughts and and the other person listening, listening is a very big part. Mm -hmm. So even if a person's raising their voice and you just listen because they have something to say. Mm -hmm. And so listening, becoming better listeners also definitely helped. Correct. Three letter word for me, God. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you know, again, the Bible says that, you know, that we, we should, we should have, um, we should really have Christ at, at the center of anything that we do. Um, you know, Matthew 6 says, seek ye first the kingdom. Things and and he, when he says all these things, I think it was both the things that were in the preceding verses, but even the things that were not, um, and we are hidden in God in Christ, and so 
when we when we seek him first the marriage and the business and the finances mm -hmm. and the family we have three beautiful children that God's raised um, all those things come together and and that's what that's mm -hmm. what keeps that's what keeps the bond but beyond that it's also uh, some of the things we alluded to in the in the last question which is is being able to communicate being um, the things that the the other person needs sometimes and then also sharing the things that you may need uh, in a marriage because this is this is not a guessing game it's a walk and it's a relationship mm -hmm. and so communication um, is a big part of that and that goes hand in hand communication is both listening and speaking right not only not only speaking and so yeah those are some of the things that uh, keeps keeps us keeps us going in the marriage another thing too for me is knowing my role in in the marriage right it's two becomes one and you know women they the what we are raised to be strong independent women but when you get married then it's about submitting to your husband and becoming one so and it's it's not a, a weakness, it's not a lack of, it's actually strengthens a woman to be under authority to the husband. He takes the, he takes the most of the accountability in the marriage that maybe people don't realize it. And, but we work as a couple, so that doesn't mean that my voice is taken away. We, we talk about things, again, the open communication part of it comes in. So if, if something comes up and I'm more than welcome to give my opinion, but at the end, he, he, and I entrust him. I trust him to make the decisions for the family. And because ultimately, God looks to him as the head of the household, first and foremost. So that also, knowing my role, and that it's not a battleground, it's not, you know, Tomiko says, I say, it's, it's, what do we say? What do we say as a family? I, I love I love my wife because she's she's a kind and um, diligent and, and a very strong strong woman as well and um, and her her commitment to to us as a as a as a couple and her commitment to our family her commitment to God is is very attractive and, and I and I find those things very very beautiful. Oh, thanks. And I find so amazing what Mr. Russell Tomiko is. He too is very compassionate. He cares for not just his own family, but for others. He has a big heart. He, he loves openly. He's an amazing listener. He's an amazing father. He's an amazing husband. He's our provider. Well, God's the provider, but you... You definitely provide for our family. You you lead by example. He's strong. He's handsome. <laughs> yes, many many great things. So, so that's us in a nutshell. Uh, again, um, marriage is in, in in God's eyes a beautiful thing ordained by him he said you know yeah. you know you've given me flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone Adam mm -hmm. said and um, 
He gave them the authority to dominate, mm -hmm. and he also gave them an instruction to multiply. Mm -hmm. um, in the book of Corinthians, chapter seven, he, he talks about marriage and and you know a woman and how she should submit to her own husband, but but also as a husband, uh, we should truly love our wives like mm -hmm. like Christ loved the church, and so. Christ did everything necessary for the church to the point of death, and, and that's who we are meant to be as, as husbands. And so whoever you are that's um, encountering this mm -hmm. message, we, we encourage you and know that marriage is, a, like I said, a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. It is one of the amazing things, one of the most amazing things that you will ever do besides giving your life to Christ and walking with but know that it, like everything else, it takes work, and you yeah. gotta work at it. And if you work at it, you will see the results. If you go outside and you dig in the ground, eventually you'll see a hole. If you keep digging, yeah. eventually you'll hit water. You'll hit something. You'll find something mm -hmm. down there, especially when we dig um, with with intent. So thank you so much for allowing us the privilege to share a little bit about us. Hopefully this helps you a little bit more in your own marriage, your walk with your spouse, your spouse-to-be, uh, uh, even with Christ, because it, it takes Christ in the center to get you through marriage. Yes. God bless you, love you, and hopefully we'll see you Thank you for watching you. Journey in Christ, the Married Series. Stay tuned next week for Journey in Christ, the Singles Series. Within the last three years, the Holy Spirit has been guiding me to prepare for marriage. After connecting with these amazing couples, we picked topics that would be the root of many marital issues. Join me on part two for Journey in Christ, the marriage series. Did have good examples for marriage. I mean, our parents yeah. were there. Our yeah. parents. Um, were married for years. My mother and father was married at the time. Um, I think we decided to get married. Mm -hmm. um, they would have been married for a period of, of 30 something years and um, they stayed married until my dad passed away just two years ago. Mm -hmm. And that would have been 55 years at the time. Okay. So we had good examples. Our, our parents were there to show us and, as examples. Right, right. Same here, my, I, my parents were my examples and um, I had other uh, people who were older me older than I at the time who I, who mentored me and stuff like that who were married and uh, you know definitely they were great examples for uh, for me uh, for me I that one's a, hmm, I can say or why did you think you deserved I, I can say that I saw briefly um, an example I came from a, I come from a single family home uh, and both my my grandmother who was one of the primary um, caregivers for me as a kid and then my mom as well neither of them were married or ever got married and so I wasn't at home but, um, but my youth pastor and the time that I was with him and his wife uh, they were definitely an example um, for me, and so, so that was what I would have seen as a as an example of a marriage. But their marriage was very.
fresh by the time I would have um, transitioned from that the church I was in at the time. So I was around 13, 12 or 13 years old is when I saw Hans. Um, but everybody else around me at the time came from Zimbabwe. I came from a two-parent home where my mom and dad were always there. So I grew up with that nuclear family, I guess that's what they call it, where you have everybody in there. So it was always a goal of mine to have a family like that. And it was something like to look forward to. It wasn't just... I, I see a lot, I had a lot of friends who came from single parent homes and I see that the drama that they went through. So I always was like, I think uh, if I was to bring up children, I wanted it to be in a marriage. So that, that pushed me even to don't have children before my marriage too. Um, I never had a good example of marriage um, that I could reach out and touch or reach out and see. So I always had an idea what marriage was and what quote unquote the perfect marriage is because there isn't really a perfect marriage. Um, I got that from TV basically because most of my immediate family members aren't married. My parents weren't married but my father was in the home and he was active. So I didn't really have an example, however, that made me form my own idea of what kind of marriage I wanted and what I was looking for. We had, well, one of the major ones was the financial problem. Before the marriage, I was working and it was just, I only had to take care of myself. So. I just had to worry about me, my bills, and that's it. But now being married, you have to worry about everything. You know, how you're gonna feed your wife, how you're gonna make her happy, how you can buy her gifts and stuff like that. And I was the type of guy who like, if we go for dinner, I wanna pay my side of the bill, I wanna pay the full bill, and then go into a meet with Kay. She independent, so she wanted to cut the bill straight down 50-50 and she ain't paying a cent more. You pay for your, what you buy, and you're gonna, that's if you wanna spend $100, and she's spending $50, she's gonna pay $50, and you pay 100 So that was a shock. And then it, it all went south when we started to go to Canada. And then I had to become the dependent one, where I had to stop working, and then I had to be home, and not having any money in my pocket, then. I guess for a guy, that's a, that's a hard thing to deal with, like, just being home and she coming home and, and making all the cash and you just sitting there like, hey babe, uh, you can't get, try to get one PSN card and her saying, uh, no, because we got to save money and stuff like that. So that was rough. And when we went into marriage, so she was more into the side of fighting witchcraft and breaking generational curses and stuff like that more than me. I, I never even knew some of those existed. I mean, you would know the story about how Jesus uh, sent the demons into the pig, but like, you never really, they never really gone into depth and say why, what happened and stuff like that. So that was something too, and that, that helped us with our finances because Remy was, when I lost my job and you lost your job, we started a 21-day Daniel fast. Yeah. And like, 
they tanning. No, no not even they tanning. Like I they think three, two or three. She had a job. We had like to turn two or jobs. three jobs, and then like in like halfway through, I got my work permit. I was back to working, and I was making twice as much as what I was making before. So uh -huh. that opened up my eyes to not a whole another aspect of Christianity, and it's just been rough because. We even we moved twice. We moved to Canada. That was a complete start over. Didn't never see the place, so we didn't even know how, what to expect. We didn't know our apartment or anything. And only how one was working, twenty hours. Yeah. And paying school fee, and I sitting home, and then it was like, boom. Now we got jobs. He's saving money. He's saving money. Then another another thing I hit. Oh yeah, your work permit's gonna expire. Cut off. So now whatever you save. It, it just eating into it more often. Yeah, because we notice um, every time we, as Christians, sometimes we just go to God and then we get comfortable when we um, get what we want from Him. And so we, like, one week we had to change our tire on our car three times. So when things like that happen, we realize we need to go back to God, we need to fast and everything, we go back on track. The answer is yes. Of course, every marriage has its ups and downs, and definitely we hit, we were going through the battle probably like the first, gosh, seven years. So there was plenty of great times, but there was definitely when when the bumps hit, they hit, and you know we went through a time period where we had no intimacy. And it lasted for quite some time, and I think that's when we just kind of were going through it. And so, how can you be intimate when you're not really happy in the marriage? So that, because that's like for me at that time of understanding was why would I want to, you know, be intimate if I couldn't even sit next to you on the couch at that time? And how were we able to overcome that situation was reflection. At that time too, we were re-beginning, we were doing, well, for myself, I let Timmy go speak for himself, but I was building my relationship with Christ, and then that made me realize that I too, I played a part in that part of the intimacy, because I was pulling away, so how can he, he be intimate with me if I was not even interested? So I realized that I too was playing my own personal part, so the self-reflection that any issues that we were having in the marriage, I had to zone in on my part that was contributing to any factor, whether it was pushing him away or pulling him in. It was, I had I had to realize there was things that I needed to fix within myself. And it was through my journey with Christ as well that solidified the healing and the forgiveness even of myself, of my my role in, in any concerns or issues that we had in revolving intimacy in our marriage. Thank you for watching part two of Journey in Christ, the vlog series.